October 22nd, 2003, uh, we had just finished the, the rock on the outside of the church. And uh, Chuck and the guys and Judy and Art, we all uh, we celebrated by laying the last stone at the top of the wall on the outside of the church. And uh, I went home, took a shower, and we had a Bible study because it was Wednesday night and we had our usual Bible study with our small group. And I got up the next morning, went to work, and uh, there was a little bit of ice and snow on the ground. And as I was climbing up the scaffolding at work, uh, one of my foot slipped on the rung and I fell backwards 24 feet and landed on my back. And I knew right away that something was wrong. And this hot electric shock went through my body. And I told the guys something, something bad happened here. And they covered me up with all their jackets and everything and they called 911. And uh, they life-flighted me to Billings. And uh, yeah, I had uh, two surgeries in Billings. And uh, the doctor comes in, and Gretchen's sitting by my side, and he says, uh, Tony, you're not going to be able to walk again. And uh, devastation. My life changed like that. And uh, my wife and I were just next to each other, holding each other's hand, and uh, I looked at the doctor and I said, nope, I'm gonna walk again. I fell into a deep, dark depression and uh, I was angry at God. Um, I thought about committing suicide quite a few times. And I always asked God, why? Why? Why did you let this happen to me? I just had a baby girl. She was a year old. But I was laying in the hospital and Pastor Chuck, he came to me and he said, Tony, I have a Bible verse for you. Hebrews 12, verse 12 and 13. Is, and it says, the lame shall not be disabled, but rather healed. And um, I marked that down in my Bible on the little side note. What day he came to my room and the date and everything. And I just really hold that close to me because, you know, I may not walk physically on this earth, but I know I'm gonna walk in heaven because right there in that verse, that's my promise from God. And he reassures me that, uh, that it is gonna happen. And I pray and uh, I know, I know for a fact that God is gonna heal me. And uh, I have some stuff here that I was talking 
to Gretchen about, and I want to read them to you. God's power and God's faithfulness, they don't change just because he didn't heal me. I've been blessed. I've been blessed over and over and over and over many, many times. And just because God hasn't physically healed me, he has blessed me. And it's still his love. How has he used this story? Man, he's used it over and over and over again. I know there's a lot of people out there that says, wow, how can you still, how can you stay so positive? And when I got hurt, a lot of people in my group or my immediate surrounding, like my boss and um, some friends of mine, they said, wow, I want what he has. And it's not about me, it's about him. And that's why I have to focus on is because I know in my heart that uh, I'm going to heaven and one day God is going to heal. be a little vulnerable here for a second. Um, we as, as a staff, like we, we're a very generous staff. We, we share things with uh, each other, and um, so Pastor Dustin is homesick with a stomach bug, and I believe that he has shared that same stomach bug with me, uh, and so you're going to have to bear with me. I'm going to have to pause, take some breaths, uh, maybe get some water, but, but I, um, I wouldn't miss this Sunday for, uh, for anything. I'd have to be in a hospital bed because I um, Man, I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you. And, and so before I, before I get ahead of myself, uh, for the last couple of weeks now, we have just talked and engaged with each other about this idea of our story. How God is, is writing a story in every single one of our lives. And Pastor Dustin kicked it off two weeks ago and he talked about kind of our obligation to share that story and the power that comes with it. Last week we, we talked about how do, we, how do we cultivate the story that God's writing in our lives. Like sometimes we're guilty of pulling the pen away from God and trying to write ourselves. And so what does it look like for us to, to hand the pen of our life over to him? Uh, and today we're going we're to continue, continue on uh, in this conversation. The idea of, of telling our story is so vital to who we are as followers of Christ. More, more than theology, like I, I think we need storytellers. More than theologians, I think we need men and women who are confident and committed and just, just telling the world what God has done in their lives. Testimony is what connects the, the, the mind to the heart. And it's visual. People see it. And this, this idea of telling stories, it's not, it's not new. Uh, since the earliest days of the church, like this is what Christians were known for. And I believe that's why it, it took off the way it did. In the book of Acts, uh, Paul writes, or the book of Acts, it, it writes, it's written, goodness gracious, uh, that thousands were coming to know Jesus each and every day. 
I don't, I don't think it was necessarily because Peter was such a prolific preacher. Maybe he was. Uh, I think more than that, it was the story that, that people were seeing in his life. How they witnessed this guy who, who was this and now he's that. A man that, that, that ran for his life when Jesus was being arrested and, and led, leading up to the crucifixion. And now in the book of Acts, he's standing in front of the very same people who arrested Jesus, proclaiming the name of, of God. so important that we tell our stories. We tell of how we were once lost and now we are found. How we were broken and now how we're mended. We tell of a time when all hope was lost but then Jesus. We tell the stories of when God specifically answers very specific petitions that we lay at his feet. We tell those stories. But for every miraculous story of God's divine intervention beyond the scope of science and medicine are seemingly dozens more that don't go as planned. For every incredible healing that there are countless funerals. For every incredible story of people being healed there are stories like my friend Tony's. It doesn't end that way. And so the question that I think we have to ask ourselves is how do we tell the stories that God is writing in our life in a way that we wouldn't have written ourselves? How, how do you tell a story that, that, that doesn't end the way you'd like it to? How do you tell those stories? How do you tell a story that doesn't have an happy ending? How do you tell a story that God writes just differently than your heart's desire? I think that leads us to a greater question, right? This has really kind of been a, uh, a series that, that it, about prayer, right? About how last week, amazing testament of how uh, Danielle prayed, God showed up. And so, so, so why is it then, as we process this and we begin to understand the power of our stories, why is it that God, he shows up, he heals some, he answers some prayers, and on the other side, he, he doesn't? Why is it that, that some of us, as we're, we're kneeling beside hospital beds, God just shows up and does the miraculous, and other times, it's crickets. So the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> so we're going to call the worship team back up, and we'll, we'll finish our— <laughs> People have lots of ideas and opinions, thoughts on why. And may, maybe you've heard some of this, but, but I want to I process just, just a little bit. Oftentimes, when God doesn't show up, in the manner by which we have asked him to show up. The thing that I hear, I have been guilty in my early days, I don't, I don't say this anymore, but I've been guilty of, of saying, well, well, maybe, maybe it's because you have a lack of faith. God's not answering because, because you don't believe. 
person petitioning God might consider their lack of faith when praying and not getting a response. And there's biblical precedent for this, right? So James writes, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. It's easier said than done. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So, so James writes, like, like in order for you to, to receive this thing that you're asking God to do, like you really got to believe it. It can't just be lip service. Like you have to believe in your heart of hearts that this is something that God can do. You got to have faith. Jesus taught about this too. His disciples were, were, were doing the thing that he had sent them out to do to heal others. And, and they ran in this situation where they, they just couldn't make it happen. They couldn't make it work. And so Jesus shows up, and he heals them. And his disciples are like, hey, like, what are we missing here? How come we couldn't handle this? And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 17, because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Maybe it's faith. But you got to be careful. You got to be really, really careful because just because something could be, it doesn't mean that it always is. A lack of faith might be a reason for an unanswered prayer, but an unanswered prayer is not always a lack of faith. You understand this, right? So, so if you're praying and, and you, you're like, God, I, I believe it's not working, and someone comes to you and says, we've got to believe harder, that might not be the case. Maybe you have all the faith in the world, and God doesn't show up. Maybe you believe in your heart of hearts that God can do the impossible, only to be faced with the reality that it seems to be impossible. I've been with people. I've been with people who have cried and wept and prayed. And, and I, I have no doubt that they believed that God could do the thing that they were asking him to do, and yet, yet, yet God doesn't show up. I've preached funerals for people who believed that God would heal them. It wasn't, it wasn't due to their lack of faith. So, so then if it's not faith, then what else, what else should we consider? What else, what else could it be? I think the next thing that we hear is maybe the reason God isn't answering your prayers, maybe the reason he's not responding in the way that you're asking him to is because you have a sinful heart. Let's just talk about this. I'm not, I'm not saying that you, you have to be perfect in order for God to do something in your life. But I think sometimes we hold on to sin and we refuse to let it go. And the reality of sin is that it creates a barrier between us and God. It, it creates a wall that sometimes uh, we, we can't get through. And so may, maybe the reason, maybe the reason God isn't responding the way that you're asking him to do is because there's this sin that you're holding on to. Whatever it may be, an unconfessed something that you're just clinging to. And again, there's biblical precedent for this. Psalmist said, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But you got to be careful. 
You've got to be really, really careful. Just because something could be does not mean that something always is. And so while, while a sinful heart might be the reason for an unanswered prayer, an unanswered prayer is not always due to unconfessed sin. Sometimes you've confessed everything that you can. You've, you've laid everything that you are and all that you have at God's feet. You say, Lord, I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I'm broken. I know that I'm flawed. I know that I mess up. And you laid it at his feet and still nothing. No response. It might be. But it, it isn't always due to that. And so if, it, if it's not faith, and, and it's not sin, what other options are there? Well, maybe, maybe your motives are poor. Maybe as you pray, as you petition, your motives aren't godly. James, again, writes, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. He said, like, if you pray, and you're praying for, for something that, that, that is your will and not God's, like, you're not going to get it. It's not how it works. And I'm guilty of this, probably more than any other thing in my life. Like, this is what I am guilty of. Dear Lord, like, like please, just send me that 400-inch bull. Please. Dear Lord, like, like let, let traffic be light today so I can get to where I need to go. Or, or dear Lord, I know, I know that we really shouldn't play the lottery, but I promise to tithe my 10%. So, so Lord, if you could just give me the winning numbers, we'll be good to go. We pray selfishly. One of the most challenging things that we as followers of Christ are called to do is to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's difficult. When you pray with the wrong motives, when your heart isn't in line with that of God's, then it's hard for God to answer your prayer. Poor motives might be a reason for unanswered prayers, but an unanswered prayer isn't always due to bad motives. And hear my heart. I think one of the most damaging things that we as Jesus could say when someone's going through tragedy, when someone's dealing with something unplanned, when someone is, is, is having to reconcile a story that God has written differently than how they would write it, is to look at them and say, well, it's God's will for this to happen. Don't say that. So, okay, so, so if it's not, it's not my faith, it's not my heart. It's not my motives. Then, then what, else, what else is there? Like, like if, if, if we're supposed to tell the story that God is writing in our lives, but the story that God is writing is one that I just don't like, like what am I supposed to do with that? What good is it for me to be able to tell this story that doesn't end well? We talked a little bit last week about the Apostle Paul's story. A guy that, that, I mean, his life took a 180 degree turn. Like he was going this direction, he met Jesus, and he went the opposite. It's incredible. 
And if there was ever a guy who, who I, I feel like had everything in order, like it would be the, the Apostle Paul. Like, like no, one, no one should question his faith. I don't. No one should question his heart. I don't. No one should question his motives. Like, I, I, I don't. And yet, he, he, he dealt with this. The story that he was writing in his life or that he hoped God was writing in his life was different than, than, than reality. And so he had to reconcile that with God. 2 Corinthians 12, 5 through 7 says, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. So, so, so Paul's living his life. Again, living his life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is building God's kingdom the right way. The right way. And, and he says that he was given a messenger from Satan. It's a thorn in his side. And so, so we, we speculate what this thorn could be. Some people say uh, poor eyesight, vision was, was something that he was dealing with. It was debilitating. Uh, I've, I've heard people say maybe anxiety, depression. I don't know. Some, some have speculated that like, maybe the, the actual thorn in his side was a, a real-life person, which I think we can all relate to. <laughs> Whatever it is, it was changing the way his story was written. He didn't like it. And so what does he do? Verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now, I, I don't think that was three just prayers, right? I think these are three seasons of prayers when Paul begged and pleaded with God to take the thorn out of his side. Three, three seasons where he just said, like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, like this, is, this is distracting, this is debilitating. Take it from me, Lord. This is not how my story is supposed to be written. Paul says this is the response he got from God. Verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. I'm going to read that again. My grace is sufficient for for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. This is God speaking to Paul. And Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul takes the thorn that's in his side. He takes the chapter in his story that's going not according to plan, and he lays it at the feet of Jesus. He believed that Jesus could remove it. He, he, had, he had confessed all that he could confess. He had good, good motives. And God could take the thorn. That would have been gone. He says, he says to Paul, my, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul, you have everything you need. 
You have everything you need, and actually more than you deserve. So, see, Paul, you're, you're, you're focused on the temporary. You're focused on the here and now. You're focused on the chapter of your story that exists right here, right now. But me, I'm focused on the eternal. That's the story that I'm writing. And while it might not make sense to you right now, you have to trust that I am God and I know best. We don't talk. We don't talk about stories like this. Let's face it, telling someone that God knows best isn't as attractive as a dynamic story. Like, like, like sitting down with someone and saying, like, like, yeah, like I really prayed for so-and-so to be healed. And they, they weren't. But God knows best. You want to follow Jesus with me? It doesn't sell as well. But, but, but if everyone has a story and we're obligated to tell it, then like, what, what do we do with it? How do we tell it? How do you tell a story that God has written and it's not the way that you would have wrote it? How do you explain that God can heal, but he chose not to heal? That God can intervene, but he chose not to intervene? How do you tell a story of a sickness that ended in death, a marriage that ends up collapsing, a financial situation that seems to go from bad to worse when you know that God could fix it? How do you tell those stories? What do you do with it? Church, sometimes the most impactful story you can tell is of your willingness to love Jesus in the midst of the hard things. If you live long enough and you pray often enough, you're going to find yourself in a situation where God's story is going to be different than yours. It's reality. We live in a broken world. And we, we, we look back, but, but, but Jesus did, and he can. And while I absolutely agree, like, like you have to understand that, that Jesus, his healing, that wasn't his purpose on earth. Like, it was a means to an end. Like, he healed, he gave sight to the blind, he raised the dead, he, he, he made the lame walk to bring people in, because again, he was focused on the eternal. Every single person who had an interaction with Jesus, their life ended in death. Lazarus was put back in the same tomb Jesus called him out of. The little girl that Jesus rose from the dead days after she had passed away, she ends up dying. The blind man that was given sight, yeah, it was awesome. It's miraculous. He's dead now as well. So that, that's not, that's not Jesus' purpose on this earth. That's not God's purpose here in your life. Not that he can't do it, not that he won't do it, not that we shouldn't ask for it, but we have to understand when God's story is different than the story that we are trying to write, that maybe, maybe we should step back and say, okay, God, I'm going to give you the temporary because you have given me the eternal. Sometimes the most impactful story that you can tell with your life is one of faithfulness when times are hard. That's the story we tell in the midst of seasons or circumstances that don't go according to plan. It's really easy to love God when things are good. 
10 years ago tomorrow, my life forever changed. The birth of our third, our third child. I've shared a little bit of that story. And I won't go into detail now, but, but she was born with, with what we were told was a fatal birth defect. We prayed specifically, and God showed up. It was incredible. It's incredible. But then there have been dozens and dozens and dozens of other times in my life where I have prayed specifically. God didn't answer. It's really easy to love him over here on the mountaintop. It's much more difficult to love him in the valley. But, but here's what I want you to understand. The faith of those in the valley is a faith that draws me. When I see someone who loves Jesus, even if, I look at him like, man, that's what I want. When we were planning this series, I knew right away that I wanted to, to have Tony share his story. That's, he's done it before. We had a sermon three, four years ago where he and Gretchen, it was, it was incredible. It's still on our website. Go look it up. But there's something about the story that God has written in his life that, like, I, I and I don't, I hope I'm not overstepping. It's, it's not fair. I think if you asked Tony if every day had been easy since his accident, I think he would say, no, it's not. But, but there's something about his faith that just draws me in. I see, I see Tony's commitment to Jesus. I see some of your commitment to Jesus when life hasn't dealt you the cards that you should be dealt. And I see your faith. I see your resiliency. You know what I say? I say, that's what I want. That's the story that I want in my life. Church, the, 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 the most powerful story that you can tell is one of faithfulness, one of trust, one of love. when times are hard. So we don't have to avoid these stories that God is writing. We can say, I don't know why that I'm healed or why I wasn't healed. I don't know why this person died. I don't know why God intervened here and not there. I don't know. But I do know that his grace is sufficient for me. I know that one day I will be healed. I know that one day I will walk. I know that because of my hope in Jesus, I'm going to see my loved one again. So I'm willing to love Jesus during the hard times. That's my story. It could be yours too. I'm going to finish. I'm going to read a song. It's a song that Maddie sang, I, again, three years ago when Tony and Gretchen spoke at it. It wrecked me. It says, waking up to a new sunrise, looking back from the other side. I can see now with open eyes. Darkest water and deepest pain, I wouldn't trade it for anything because my brokenness brought me to you. And these wounds are a story you'll use. So I'm thankful for the scars, because without them, I wouldn't know your heart. And I know they'll always tell of who you are. So forever, I am thankful for the scars.
Now I'm standing in confidence with the strength of your faithfulness, and I'm not who I was before. No, I don't have to fear anymore. And so I'm thankful for the scars, because without them I wouldn't know your heart. And I know they'll always tell of who you are, so forever I am thankful for the scars. I can see, I can see how you delivered me in your hands and in your feet. I found my victory. I'm thankful for the scars because without them I wouldn't know your heart. And with my life I'll tell of who you are. And so forever I am thankful. Stories aren't always written how we intended them to be. The church doesn't mean they're not worth telling. Tell it. Watch what God does. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to, to, to be here and worship. God, I, I thank you that, that you are a God who shows up specifically, specifically as we ask. You're a God who, who answers. You're a God who writes miraculous stories. But Lord, because we live on this side of eternity in, in a broken world where sin and death are reality, like there are times when our story is not going to be the same as yours. And in those moments, Father, help us have faith Help us cling to you. Help us, help us mimic the words of Paul that your grace is sufficient, that, that somehow in our weaknesses we're strong. Help us be a church. Help us be a people to have a faith in the valley. And Lord, may, may the world notice something different about us. May, may, may the world know that there's just something unique about how we live, how we deal with adversity, how we deal with tragedy, how we deal with uncertainty. It, it's, it's, it's you. Help us proclaim that in, in all that we are, in all that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship one more time.